If they had lived in Old Testament times, they would have undoubtedly been stoned or mauled by bears. If they had lived in the time of Jesus, he would have rolled his eyes at them endlessly as he exercised their demons. If they had lived during the Reformation, Martin Luther would have nailed his 95 Thesis to their foreheads. But lo and behold, here we are, and somehow, each of them is responsible for leading the church in a different way. There's Kendall, the youth minister and mustache expert. Hunter, the rookie youth minister with the hair of Absalom. Coach Rhodes, a pre-youth minister whose observations leave you wondering, why? And Brandon, who's abandoned his youth ministry roots and is now largely useless. It's the Practical for the Pew podcast. Yay! Thanks, Justin, our big voice guy. He nails it every time. Uh, as he said, this is Practical for the Pew podcast. I'm Brandon. I'm Kendall. I'm Hunter. And this is Coach Rhodes. Hey, we thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we would love for you to subscribe wherever you listen. Uh, follow us. Uh, we are on Twitter, Facebook, who knows, Instagram might be coming soon. Uh, but search for us at Practical Pew. Uh, leave comments, interact with us. We want to hear what you have to, th- have to say and what you think about our show. You can do it. So <laughs> we are continuing through the insanity of obedience by Nip- Nick Ripkin. And here's how he summarizes part one that we're going to be discussing this week. He says, part one deals with God's command to be his people on mission and with our response to his command. Exactly who does God command to be on mission and what kind of response does he expect? So this episode two of our podcast, we're once again inviting you to grapple with us as we examine the heart of God as witnessed throughout scripture and as it's still evident in the world today. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, Uh, This episode, we're going to be talking about the all-in nature of what Christ commands when we do follow him. Uh, You may have rejected the church or been turned off by Christians that you know, and I know each person on this podcast hates that. We're sorry about that. But hopefully this episode will show you God's heart uh, and his desire to restore and redeem a broken world. His command for every one of his followers is to take ownership so that mission And his heart and his love will go out through all the nations. If you are a follower of Jesus, we also invite you to examine examine yourself, your church, as this book has forced each of us to do. Uh, What areas of your life are you resistant to God in and are you disobeying him? If we held the plain reading of scripture up against our life and the life of our churches, what would we find? The questions are difficult, they're convicting, and of course they're uncomfortable. But one day we're going to stand before the throne and answer for all of our actions. So can we afford to or are we willing to wait until then to give our answer? I think not. Now, as I said, we're covering all of part one. And there's quite a bit of content here, which has been a common complaint among this group throughout the week. Uh, But we're going to take our big ideas uh, from the section and just kind of discuss it together. So, Kendall. Do you want to lead us off with your big idea? 
Yeah, totally. First off, I have a question for you. Is that your sermon for Sunday? Powerful. Was it long enough? <laughs> hey, man, I thought it was about as long as the part one of this book. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> We've got jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I would love to, to share with you guys just kind of uh, the big idea that I, I saw this reoccurring theme in part one of of this book and um i think sometimes when we whether it be a, a spiritual book or our bible or whatever when we open the, the the word and and ask god to speak to us with unbiasedness sometimes there's something that he's trying to, to attack at our heart he's trying to open our heart with and and that was definitely true for me in this uh chapter or this this section, something that I've been struggling with a lot. And really the bit, the big thing that stood out to me is Nick Ripken continue to talk about how um, God calls us to go. He, there's, there's, that's the obedience. There's nothing else with it um, that God requires of us obedience to go and to make disciples and to go proclaim his truth. Um, but we, we definitely in the Western culture have this view that we want to see and be a part of the harvest. But God doesn't guarantee that. That might or might not happen for us. But what God requires is strictly obedience, regardless if we see that harvest or not. Um, he talks about how uh, when he was in Somalia with his wife, that it was tough, that there wasn't much fruit that was bared from that, that they were there for years and it was just exhausting. And there was hard hearts there and it didn't feel like they did a whole lot of kingdom work, like practical work that you could see. Um, he talked about how sometimes we can be preoccupied with seeing a harvest that we don't see that God's moving uh, just by planting seeds. And uh, lastly, the thing that I think spoke to me as well is going is easier than staying. We, we want to go out. God calls us to go out. But in that going, there is also a staying period and where we're at. And sometimes the longer we stay somewhere, the more frustrating it can get. And it's easier to just go, well, I'll just pack up and go again. I know for me, why this spoke to me so much is I was just dealing with today the heartbreak of this student in my my youth program, who she comes but wants nothing to do with Jesus and um, is very difficult. When I speak up on stage, she rolls her eyes the whole time. She huffs and puffs. And she's kind of a metaphor for the entirety of the town I'm in. And it's exhausting. And you're just going, when am I going to see a harvest? When am I going to see fruit of all my labor? And it gets exhausting. And uh, God was kind of telling me in this section, that's not what it's about. Preach the word. Share the word. Continue to plant seeds. And you might not be the, the one to, to reap the harvest, but continue to faithfully plant seeds. And I needed that for my heart. And I thought that was um, powerful and really the backbone of obedience too. Hearing you say all that, the emphasis that Nick Ripken puts on the going and the staying, like you said, um, for those of you who don't know, he's basing that on the great commission, uh, in Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20. Uh, but there's a phrase in that, that I think, uh, he hits on, uh, but that we've missed, you know, as the church, uh, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then it says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. 
uh, we're really good at teaching, but how good are we at teaching people to actually obey? Uh, and I think that's a big emphasis that we need to push into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to piggyback off of Kendall's idea there, I mean, obeying is something that is called, that, that we're called to do. Um, but something I want to add to it is that the expectation of miracles, um, which is mentioned in that in that first chapter of, the, of part one that we read, and um, the this pastor, like this worker, was like, "Hey, how come? When did you when did you stop reading your Bible?" Talking to Nick, like, "When did you stop reading your Bible?" Because this stuff happens all the time. There are miracles happening all the time because people are being obedient to the Word of God. They're going, they're making disciples, and miracles are are being made. Okay, through God only, and this is this is very prevalent. It happens in in all over the world today, but yet we don't realize it a lot of times here in America. But it, it happens. It, uh, the miracles are even happening here in America, and that's something that happens when you are obedient, when you are going, and you are you are making disciples, and you are relying on God to carry you through that. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, that's something that I think I've answered incorrectly in the past, but that's something we're asked quite a bit as pastors. We see all these miracles and all these miraculous things happening in scripture. How come I don't see that in my everyday life? Uh, So I want one of you guys to answer that before I give my answer. Well, I think, I think Matt kind of hit on that with miracles. Um, The obedience part, the disciples saw miracles time and time again, because they were obedient to following Jesus. If you're not following Jesus, you're not going to see the miracles. And if you're looking in the, in the wrong direction, you're not going to see the miracles. The minute that uh, Peter stopped looking at Jesus, he drowned when he was walking on water, right? So it's not looking for miracles or looking for the harvest like I was mentioning. It's looking to Jesus. And as we keep our focus and our mission on Jesus, those miracles and the, that harvest is happening around us. And we, we are blessed if we're a part of that, but that's not the goal. And so keep our eyes on Jesus and those things are happening. I would add on to that, um, that I know here, um, where we're at here in America, um, that having technology and sound and, and all kinds of stuff just constantly in our ears, um, it makes it hard to listen to God a lot of times. And so, um, you really have to step away and be and take take yourself away from all that stuff and be you and God and be like, hey, God, help me, move me, and and as a group too, as as a group of believers going out to to be obedient to to do His work, like help us hear you and understand you and where you want us to go, and I think that that's a big part too is being able to listen. Yeah, and you know. Just jumping in here, um, I think kind of hearing both of you guys talk about this and and um, what it is you are to do and something that comes to my my uh, head is um, we we heard it a lot is you know you are you are what you eat you know you are um, your heart is full of what the mouth speaks so or the the mouth speaks what the heart is full of sorry. not no yeah you got it but but the fact is true is whatever you're putting into yourself 
you know, talk about fixing your eyes on Jesus. Um, you know, if you're not putting Jesus into your life, if you're not reading the scriptures, don't, don't be surprised when you don't see Jesus. Mm. Um, don't, don't Amen. be surprised when, when miracles aren't happening. Well, mm. when, when you're not taking part in Jesus. So, uh, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So, so what are you putting into yourself? What are you digesting every single day? Um, where do you let your eyes wonder? And, and I, you know, I always come back to that hymn is, um, fix your eyes upon Jesus. And, mm -hmm. and that's as simple as that is, it, it's actually really hard to do. Um, you bring up our technology world. That's, it's hard to step away, even to read your Bible on your phone. Um, cause it's so easy to just swipe over to another app cause it got you thinking about something else. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'll am. Yeah. And I, I like that Hunter, when you you were saying, don't be surprised that you're not seeing these things when your eyes are on Jesus and that, and for those of you at home, that is not a knock on you. If you're not seeing these things, it's not a knock on. Oh, well, I must not keep my eyes on Jesus because I'm not seeing these saints. Hunter's saying that in the sense of, no, continue to pursue Jesus. Continue to look at Jesus and not even worry about those things. Worry about Jesus and those things will happen. But the more we sit and worry about those things, then our eyes are in the wrong place. And I love how Hunter phrased that. That was great. I think to bridge the gap a little bit um, between you, uh, between Kendall and Hunter's answer, we, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus, but we also have to be uh, obedient to what he's calling us to. Uh, because if we're not doing what he's telling us, then there's no need for a miracle because there's no work on our behalf. Um, I mean, we have to be moving with God, uh, doing the things he's calling us to do, obedient to that. And then God will miraculously uh, supply our needs. He'll miraculously multiply our efforts he'll he'll do those things that are unexpected that we see throughout scripture um but time after time the people in scripture were definitely fixing their eyes on jesus uh, but they were also completely obedient whatever he said went yeah hunter why don't you give us your big idea yes um uh, so before you know i, I kind of told you guys uh, before we got started my big idea, you know, it, it, it struck me deep. Um, it made me really emotional. It, it made me made me cry a little. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to try not to do that now, but just explaining my, my big idea is um, Nick starts off with this story. He's talking about um, this pastor that, that he was talking to in Russia. And they're talking about persecution. And, and he's, the, the pastor, you know, tells him this tale of um, do you wake your kids up because because Nick is asking like why haven't you written these things down um, why haven't why haven't you told everybody about the persecution that's taking place here like why why does no one know and he starts off and he's like Nick uh, let me ask you a question do you have you ever gone to your kids in the morning and and shook them awake I mean, like, let's, let's go see, let's go see the sunrise in the East. Let's, let's go look at it. And, and you continue to do that daily. And, and Nick is all confused and the, and the story's longer. And Nick's like, no, my, my kids would actually think I'm crazy. Um, and Nick, Nick is like, I don't, I don't know where you're going with this. And um, the, the pastor from Russia answers, he says, we don't talk about these things 
because these things talking about persecution because these things are as normal as the sun coming up in the east and and it was he said it was startling for him it blew him away and and it did me like like my heart just broke when I heard that because it's so unnatural. And he continues to say it. He continues to say like, this is, this is where I'm at. This is my Western view. Like we think it's crazy to hear these stories yet for others, this is everyday life. This is them obeying. And, and Matt talked about, you know, have you read your Bible? And, and, and again, he says, the Bible's full of stories just like this. So when did you stop reading your Bible? And, and he says, again, his perspective was so different. Talking about the, the Russian pastor, he said his perspective was so unusual. And then he says his perspective was so biblical. And, and that just hit me of like, what, what are we doing? And, and I mentioned last week of like, could we be doing it wrong? <laughs> well, after reading this section, I think I'm going to put a big, heck yes in there like we we've been wrong about things we have to admit that that we have brothers and sisters all over the world hurting and and it's so it's so natural every day but he continues on through you know this this main idea of of what he's trying to um illustrate and and what he's trying to understand and and the thing that that just continued to get me was this isn't we don't, we don't comprehend what's happening. We don't, we don't understand all of these things that we think are just biblical yet they're happening. We just don't hear their story because, well, it, it's so usual for them. And, and so it, it just really, it really hit me deeply. And, uh, you know, also, also in this chapter, it, it goes on to say of different ways of, persecution and how it takes place and and where we might have it wrong and you know maybe maybe we can do a whole um episode on the way he talks about persecution because it is it's so in depth and so rooted in love that we just may not understand it because of our ideals and it would take longer to get cuz you know I'm I'm very um we'll say in the middle on things and he, you know, he comes out of left field. And I'm like, gosh, like that sounds like Jesus, like how radical it is. Yet it's not radical for others. And man, I, I was just, I was ripped apart when um, he, he's talking about this, this idea of persecution and that it, it all comes down to obedience because there's not a choice. It, it's not left up for um, our, you know, should I do it? Should I be about this? No, Jesus literally says, it's, it's on us. Like you either do or you don't. Um, and, and he goes on to say like, um, if, if you don't do this, then you're either being a persecutor and that's hard to hear because if we're not stepping out of our way, then this person, our neighbor, um, this, that we interact with, well, we're not necessarily persecuting them, but in a sense we are because we're withholding Jesus from them. When we're given an opportunity to talk about Jesus and we withhold it because we think we're going to be embarrassed here in the United States, we think we're going to be made fun of. And it's like, we're doing a disjustice and we actually 
don't let the person see Jesus and that's on us. And that's, that's been on my conscious conscience since I, since I read it. And, you know, I know I'm a little long winded, but man, it just, it ripped me apart. I appreciate your heart, Hunter. Um, those of us who know Hunter know Hunter doesn't like to admit when he's about to cry or when he's emotional. And, uh, I appreciate you being honest for everyone. And, and I think that should be something that wrecks all of our hearts that, uh, persecution happens all the time. Like you said, it's, it's normal for other countries. And, um, sometimes it makes me, uh, feel shame at the things that I find frustrating in my faith when I don't, I don't have to deal with that stuff. And, uh, what if my faith was stronger if I did deal with that stuff? So thank you, Hunter. That, um, that chapter was really powerful. Like you said, um, he brought up a couple of really strong points uh, that really kind of smacked me around. Uh, one, it, he's talking about Matthew chapter 10 and at least in my Bible, uh, right above verse 16, is a heading that says persecution will come. And that entire section is Jesus not saying if something happens. He's saying when you're beaten, when you're arrested, when you're interrogated, when those things happen, don't worry because I'm there with you. Um, Jesus promised persecution. And so the convicting part, I'm, I'm reading through all of that. And I mean, just paragraph after paragraph is slapping me around. And then it gets to the end. And it says, perhaps the crucial question is not how can I keep persecution from happening? Perhaps the better question is, why am I not being persecuted? Now, he also explains very clearly that we shouldn't seek persecution. We, we don't want to seek suffering. Uh, but at the same time, Jesus told us to expect it. He told us it's coming. And so if it's not happening... Where am I failing in my obedience? Where am I failing in my faith? Uh, because, as Jesus said, the uh, disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. Uh, Jesus went to a cross for this kingdom, uh, and what have I, what have I endured for it? Well, I'm trying, I'm trying to, trying to add something valuable, but I really, I really don't, don't know if I have anything because that's, it just leaves me like in awe like like what what am i doing wrong you know like because obviously there's something wrong like you said so um it's just one of those things that we got to keep keep pursuing and keep keep surrendering more and more of our lives to him and and it it's a weird spot to be in because of course we don't want to be persecuted and, and we don't want anyone to face persecution but at the same time I mean, he points it out in scripture. I mean, the Bible says it's coming. So I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. So I, sorry, I just want to throw back in and just bring a quote that he says, yep. um, you talked about, um, you know, going to make disciples and, and the great commission in Matthew 28. And Nick says here, we're left with a clear choice. We can be faithful to our calling and deal with the persecution that will inevitably come or we can avoid persecution by ignoring or disobeying Jesus's instruction to go and make disciples. He said persecution can only be avoided if we are disobedient and fail to cross the street or cross the oceans. And you know that we also ran back to last week is, 
is, you know, you answered a hard question pretty easy and said, you know, could we go and do this to other nations? And you're like, you know, if we fell, we if we fell to go to our neighbor that's right next to us that may even be Christian, and we fell to talk to him about Jesus, how do we expect to do it around the world? Um, and that that just hit me, hit me again was um, if if persecution can be avoided, um, then we're either disobedient or we fell to cross the street or cross the ocean. Yeah, I. That's very good, Hunter. Um, I do have a question um, to ask. I just thought of it. Um, and it's something that I've struggled with, um, this question specifically. Um, here, here in America, especially in the Bible Belt, um, what do we do? And this, this is for you guys to answer. What do we do? Um, how, how does this look when most people have heard the, the gospel? They have heard the gospel message but they just may not be living it. Or they may say that I am a Christian, but obviously they aren't by the way that they live or like, or, you know, just how do we, how do, how does that look? Um, is it, is it about building relationships with them and then um, walking along them and being like, Hey, listen, like you need to get your, like, you need to, you need to trust in Jesus. You need to follow him. Like you see, you see how I'm living. You see how I was once lost, but now I'm found. Or is it like just cold water? Hey, do you know Jesus? And then going in and asking questions like that's something I've always struggled with. Like you just go in cold blooded and like not even have a relationship with them. Or do you go, you have to go build that relationship and then go. Cause it's, it's one of those things that sometimes people aren't receptive, but who cares if they're not receptive. And so that's something I struggled with. And I just hope you guys have an answer to that possibly. <laughs> Matt, I'll, I'll jump in just real quick. Um, because I'm, I'm laughing at the fact that I'm not going to answer your question. Um, but it's, you know, he, ta- he also talks in this book about um, how we have this mindset, specifically in the Bible Belt, of what we think Jesus is and how we think we should do church. And he's like, stop, stop going. And we've done this before. We've gone to colonize. We've gone to, you know, uh, North Africa. We've gone to Asia to say, you know, this is the Jesus of the West. And we've, we've convoluted and we've made Jesus into something different. And, you know, I think our answer is actually in the scriptures. I think that's, that's where we find our example. You know, Jesus was teaching from mountains, but he was also walking in people's houses. He was having meals for most of the time. He was, he was meeting people at a place to eat. But, you know, uh, for all of our listeners here hear me at least say for myself um this is this is an area that i'm still figuring out right alongside you guys this is this is something we all struggle with just because of a presupposition of where we were born and that's not to you know hound on us because of where we were born that's not what i'm saying it's it's just a learning curve that you know we just got to get back to the basics uh jesus made it simple for a reason and he did that so that all people could have it. And Matt, maybe um, Kendall or Brandon can offer you a um, actual answer. And I'd love that. And our listeners would definitely love that. Well, We've got all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think Kenner, you you knocked it on the head. It's it's being simple and going back to what Jesus did. And and I think to add to that um, was what you said, Matt. It's it's about knowing your culture. Um, 
and and I think everyone's always heard that, but like uh, you go to Somalia, you go to Asia, you go to the middle of Kansas, you go to the middle of Oklahoma. Everywhere is going to be different in how you present it. Uh, not to change Jesus, but to speak to your culture. Um, that even Jesus in, in the various places he went throughout the Gospels, whether it be his tone or the, the parables that he shared, they were, they were different because it was reaching his people. But what wasn't different was him. And so we and there's a fine line there. But I think knowing your culture and not changing who Jesus is, but being aware of what your culture needs. Some places are more hostile. And that's kind of what we're talking about with persecution. Some places are more apathetic. And a lot of places in, in our country, there's an apathy. They've heard of Jesus. They've heard of Jesus so much. It's an oversaturation. Jesus is almost um, a pop culture icon in a satirical way in a lot of areas, right? Um, so there's an apathy towards Jesus. So how do you approach that? Probably different than you would in a hostile environment. But you have to know your, you have to study your, your people. Um, just, and not as much as you study Jesus, but study your people so that you can give them Jesus, if that makes sense. Um. Roads to answer your question. <laughs> um, at the end of uh, that chapter, at the, at the end of uh, chapter four, he gives uh, a, the question, how would you define faith and church quickly and clearly to a non-believer? Um, I, I think the answer to your question is inviting people into a relationship. And yeah, most people say, they know what church is. Most people say they know what faith in Jesus looks like. Um, but I, I look at Mark 8, and I love this question. Um, when Jesus is walking with his disciples, and he says, who do people say that I am? And they give a few answers. But then he asks more pointedly, more directly, who do you say that I am? That is a question that I love asking people. Who do you say Jesus is? Because right then and there, you have an idea of how they follow Jesus or if they follow Jesus. Um, and, and in Mark 8, Peter gets the words right. He says, you're the Christ. And uh, Jesus is like, that's great. You got the answer right, but you don't know what that means. And so starting in verse 31, he begins to tell them that the Christ must go to the cross. And yeah, he's the Christ, which is another word for king. He's the king, but he has to be crucified. And not only is he going to be crucified, but he's going to raise from the dead. And he goes through all these things. And Peter is like, no, 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 that's not what the king does. That's not who you're supposed to be. And Jesus tells him, get behind me, Satan. Um, he, he wants to be very, very clear on who he is. And so I think we develop relationships. And in the midst of our relationships, we ask the simple question, who do you say Jesus is? And no matter what the answer is, we say, man, we would, we would love to talk more about this we would love to study scripture with you we would you know do a small group whatever that looks like um but i think that's how we do that i like it i like it i like all of your answers <laughs> i do hey we really hope that you guys are enjoying this conversation but we also want to make this practical and uh, we want to make it where you can listen to it uh, without being drug out for over an hour. Uh, so we're going to cut this episode into two uh, pieces. 
Uh, and this is going to conclude episode two. Uh, so I do want to encourage you to like and subscribe wherever you listen. Uh, follow us on social media at Practical Pew. And uh, for Kendall, for Hunter, for Coach Rhodes, I'm Brandon. This has been episode two of Practical for the Pew podcast. And as always, we want to thank our mothers for listening.